this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. We had a productive week at Norma's Closet this week up in the other building, and boy, it was busy. I don't know how many we ended up serving, but there was a lot. And at one point I looked out, we snapped a couple of photos, and they were filling up the parking lot up there and along, I think, all the streets. It was busy, wasn't it, Gloria? And uh, we're grateful and thankful for all the people that get helped through it and minister to through it and all the people we're gleaning information from to find out how we can help them even more. And so that was good and productive, and I think we'll be back with that in March. And uh, But nonetheless, it was good, and uh, we're grateful to be able to do it and uh, touch and minister to all the folks that we get to. If you ever get a chance to, and you're, uh, you're available during the week like that, to come and volunteer and just be a part it'll bless you we had a lot of kids too i'm not always up there uh, i don't always get to be up there but i was and there was a lot of people that came in this time with children and little tots running around and um, in need of things and so what a what a blessing it is to be able to see them they're also getting blessed and getting clothing and things that they need and so and when you and i get to be a part of that and help change lives out of the vision that we had to be able to continue to help the community we get to continue to do that and bless people and it is a blessing people are grateful uh, for what we're able to provide and bless them and the service and for all the volunteers that help make it possible and help and so it's awesome and we're just grateful i hope you realize that all that we're a part of is bigger than us always 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 whether it's a food distribution or things that we're doing through there and all the things that are about to start with the Dream Center, we kind of made it official that we're going to launch the very first of May with all of those programs. So there's a lot of work to do, and we're buzzing and busy, and the office is getting ready for it. So um, we're excited to be able to help people even more, uh, bring sustainability to their lives and help them get a job and get a trade and go to school if they want. And so uh, the possibilities are endless. So we're excited about it. I hope you are, and uh, that you'll get to be a part of that too. So great and powerful things and so we're grateful for our church family and our online church family and everyone that connects and makes it all possible because we couldn't do it without them and all of the many teams of volunteers that come out too uh, on thursdays to do redistribution so it's good things and uh we're grateful and thankful for it all and so as i mentioned there just a few moments ago about that Revival that's going on. If you haven't heard about it, checked anything out, all you got to do is if you're on TikTok or YouTube or Google it, it's all over. And it will bless you, I'm telling you. Uh, it is not fancy, and that's what I just love about it. They don't even have screens with words to music on them. I mean, it's just an old chapel. It's a big chapel, but it's old. And there is nothing, they don't have smoking lights. They don't have anything cool and creative. There's nothing like that. Uh, it's just awesome to see what God's doing and uh, how people's lives are being changed. And so if you haven't, what's even better is some Christian TV stations have been trying to get in there. Caleb even called and said, we want to come. And they said, no. Fox News called and said, hey, we want to come get some, you know, we want to come and get some video. And, and they said, no. They said, well, we're interested and we're excited that you would want to come and do that. We don't want you. This has nothing to do with you. This has nothing to do with Christian TV. 
And I was just like, thank you, God, because the last several revivals that broke out, some Christian TV stations ruined it. We went to that one in Bay Revival, and it was because of them showing up that it got crazy, and it all fell apart, and weird stuff started happening. And so I'm grateful and thankful that they're just keeping it pure, and they're not looking to be famous. They're not looking to try to be on TV or Fox News or CNN or ABC, but they rejected them all. They don't let even media on the property. They're just letting it open for the glory and presence of God, and so I'm grateful for that and uh, excited. So if you can, check it out. I know that you'll be blessed by it. Amen? I was <coughs> thinking this week, and in fact, I had planned on preaching something else, and it just wasn't settling within me at all. And I was really discontent. I mentioned there moments ago, has anyone else just been feared, feeling really irritable? I mean, you know, I could tell you something that I did this week, but I won't forsake that you'll judge me. But um, I'm telling you, so crazy irritable like the dumbest, stupidest stuff, things that normally wouldn't bother me. And so finally, I was even irritable with the message. I was like, God, this is not going to work. I'm like, I got to hear, you know. And we went through, we had Valentine's Day, and even on uh, Valentine's Day, but Norma's Closet, we gave out little Valentines and chocolates to everybody and let the community know we love them, right? And, and come Friday, I thought I knew what I was preaching, and then come Saturday morning, I was just like, this is not going to fly. And so I got a whole other sort of message together, and it sort of came because we celebrated Valentine's Day this week. While I'm going to share today, it's something I, I realize I've rarely ever preached about, and that is love. How many of you know love is a complicated thing? Look at Cindy's face. She's just like, are you for real going to do this today? Yes. In fact, I, I can tell you now I'm not going to get through it all today. Because the love that I'm going to share with you about is a vast subject. I'm not talking about your googly-eyed love that you all have for one another, and you get goo-goo-eyed and butterflies in your stomach. No, 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 no. I, I want us to tear the face off of what we think love is, because we, we deduce love to mean that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you've ever fallen in love, we, we end up identifying love as butterflies and goo-goo eyes. And then a year, year and a half, two years later, that's gone. And we're like, you just don't love me the way you used to. Because we've sort of romanticized love instead of understanding what real love is according to the Bible. And so the love that we have commercialized, even we, we, we think love is a teddy bear and love is a dozen roses and love is taking one another out to dinner. That's literally our idea of love. And I'm here to tell you that is not love at all. That's what we've made made to believe love is, but that is not what love is. So for everybody that got in trouble because you didn't do enough for Valentine's Day, there's your excuse. Right there, I just gave you it right there, that, that if you didn't do enough or you screwed up or you forgot, right, now you can say, well, pastor said that's not what real love is anyway. Amen. It's not. And so I, I want us to really take a, a like I said, we're going to rip the face off of what love is and really talk about what the real love of God is. My hope is that you will begin to realize how much he loves you. 
it's different. It's even going to be different the way that I bring the word today than I normally do because it's, it's, there's so much to it that probably we'll get into the deep part of it even next week because I ain't going to get through it. I'm telling you, all right? And so I want us to go to a familiar chapter that we think we know so well. I'm here to tell you, you don't know John chapter 3 like you're about to find out about John chapter 3. So turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going to look at a couple verses of Scripture right here, just verses 14 through 17. All of you, most of you probably already know John 3.16, so you know where I'm going. But again, we think we have an idea about love, but we don't know love at all. The whole reason of this is I believe it's important that, how many of you know, you have heard me say, and because we do all that we do for our community, and we are known to be the distribution church, and we're known to be the church that has long lines for food, and you can meet, run into anybody, and everybody knows this church because of that. They don't know it because of me, or because of how sharp Ramona dresses, or they don't know it because we're on TV, right? I, I'm, right? It's true. Doesn't she always dress nice, y'all? Yeah. They don't know us because of those things. They know us because of our giving. But I, I want to go a little deeper. People need to know us because of our loving. People need to know us because of our love. They need to know it's not just food or it's not just clothes or it's not all the other things that we're about to introduce and do to change people's lives and all the things that we're going to do to revitalize the community. That it, I want them to know us by our love. And so that's why we're going to go right here. And in order to be that kind of people, you and I have to be able to receive the love of God and realize that even in our nastiest moments of life, he loved you and I. And in the worst of times. So watch this. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. If you have your Bibles, look there. If not, we'll have it on the screen for you. Look, it says this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. If you're a person that writes in your Bible, underlines, highlights, underline that, highlight it, do something. For God so loved the world. Notice he didn't say for God so loved the church. It doesn't say for God so loves the goody, goody two-shoes. It doesn't say that he only loves those who dress a certain kind of way or act a certain kind of way. Look what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, look at verse 17. This, this will mess with people's theology right here. For everybody that thinks it's our job to point out the, the wrong and judge other people, well, let me check you right here. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Oh, my God, right there. See, you're not saying nothing to me. Listen, uh, most preachers should probably stop preaching whatever they are today because of that scripture right there. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to get real today. Are you ready? Everybody in this place has probably dealt with heartbreak at some point or another. You know, where our heart was broke because of love. 
Someone wounded us or hurt us. Some of us may have even been so wounded it has changed the manner of which you do love. You get cheated on bad enough, it'll change how much of yourself you'll give to somebody. You get abused bad enough, you only allow yourself to get oh so close. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? So all of us have sort of been, uh, had bad experiences with love and heartbreak of some kind, whether it was a, a puppy love or a more serious kind of love. Someone even made the comment once that love doesn't hurt. And while, while I understood with the context that they were using it, meaning they, they, they said that love doesn't hurt, and the meaning that we wouldn't abuse and intentionally hurt people that we love, I do agree with that. Real love won't intentionally hurt the people we love, but love itself, it does hurt. I mean, love hurts, it hurts loving church people. Come on, can we get real today? Haven't you ever been hurt by someone in the church? I have. I've had church people rip my heart out, feed it back to me, and shove it down my own stomach, right? I mean, it hurts. I've had family do that. I've had people that we've, I've been able to love in life do that. So, because, so I know that love does hurt. I want to take a minute so that we, we look at love from a few different sides before we get into our text today. Hallelujah. We, I, I believe love is something that we all want, yet many of us also try to dodge it. Because we only get so close. You never really get to know the fullness of who all of us are. Because I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I'm a little gun shy of people. I don't just trust everybody. You have to work a long time to earn my trust now. Because I've been, been there, done, already had mine several times over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I know what it is to get hurt and wounded by people that you thought loved you. And they never really loved you. Because if they loved you, they never would have left you. Have you ever had, tell, had people tell you, I love you, but I still have to like, leave? No, you don't. You're leaving because you didn't love me. That, that's what you're trying to say. What you, you understand, I understand people more now than I ever did. A lot of times we say a lot of words, and yet our actions never match our words. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The problem with the real church and the reason why a lot of people don't want to be a part of church is because church doesn't look anything like what God has described in the word. When we read John 3.16, let me just be very frank. Most of the church doesn't look like John 3.16 and 17. Most churches don't look like for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Most of our churches are filled with people and preachers who want to condemn people where they are instead of reaching out a hand of love where they are and said, I, I may not agree with you, I may not like what you're up against, but I'm going to walk with you because I love you. Do you. Is that not the Jesus that we read about in the Gospels, that Jesus walked aside, sat at a well and talked with a hoe and, and ministered to her? Did, is that not the Jesus that we're, I read that he talked and communicated with people that most of us would be like, I ain't, I ain't have nothing to do with you. And yet we've, we've made church to become something that is almost unattainable. Right? That I can never reach the level of perfection that some of these folk want me. I mean, some of y'all don't want me to cut my hair or I got to dress a certain kind of way and I can't wear no jewelry and, and I got to walk in all this. But yet, I, you know, all of these crazy things that make no sense and yet is not representative of what the real love of God is about. You know, that has nothing to do with the love of God. Nothing. In fact, that has nothing to do with salvation either. That's just their method of control to twist the message of salvation to make people fit into what they believe holiness is. 
See, I'm really giving it to you good now. I know I'm going to make some people mad. I'm talking about the love of God. The love of God that, that, that pushes beyond our flaws. The kind of love that he loves us at our worst. How many of you know that when you've been at your worst, some people don't always love you at your worst? A lot of people will walk away, but not the God that we serve. The God that we're, we serve and we're talking about loves you and I through the worst of times. Hallelujah. Oftentimes when we experience love, our love starts out as a heart on fire, but often doesn't end up how it starts. Any of you ever had something like that go down in flames, relationships that went down in flames? It was all like a heart on fire, but it didn't end up that way. Sometimes our marriages get that way. Sometimes our friendships get that way. Sometimes our love for God gets that way. But I'm not just talking about romantic love. I'm talking about any kind of love. Any kind of love hurts. You can have a pet and lose a pet and it'll hurt, right? You can have a love for a child, and yet when your child is young and you're holding them and feeding them, you'd never think that they'll grow up to break your heart. Children have a way of just, I mean, ripping your heart out. It's like if they grow up and never learn to talk, it might be better. Hallelujah. And it really determines how strong our love is, how we respond when people hurt us. I said, it really determines how strong your love is, how you respond when people hurt you. Because there are challenging times to love. It is not easy to love this community. The more we give, the more we got people knocking, needing money and wanting this. And some guy always knocks saying, can I do your weed whacking up here for $10? And finally, I, I, I did it one day and then he kept coming back, kept coming back. I said, I'll tell you what, I will give you money if you will give me a day's at work all but my back. I said, well, then I can't help you. Right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's hard to just love people where they are at and just keep giving to people, right? Because love is challenging. It's hard to sometimes love the people we live with, right? Sometimes the people we live with or fall in love with are like nails on a chalkboard. Sometimes you look at them and you think, I do love you, but I want to claw your eyes out with a spoon right now. Oh, come on. Come on, Cindy. Can you say Amen. Right? She makes all these faces that none of you all ever get to see and faces that even Brandon can't get to see. Only I'm up here seeing. And so it's, but she'll never say amen. Someday I need her to turn around so you can see her eyes. She gives eyes that I'm telling you, it, it, it's like, is that a demon or, or what is that manifesting? Because her eyes tell everything. Hallelujah. If you want to know what she's thinking without her saying, watch her eyes. All right. Brandon's saying Amen. Love is also isolating. Haven't you ever noticed that when you love someone, it's also very isolating? It's all difficult. Every aspect of love is, it's all difficult because we want to protect ourselves from the pain and the bruise and the battery of love and the trauma of it. Watch this. Often we lock out the pain not realizing that the same mechanism that locks out the pain also locks out the pleasure and enjoyment of love. In other words, have you, if you've ever been through and been wounded lo with love of any kind, whether it was family, the person you love in this life, children, church people, whatever, when you try to protect yourself then and put a wall up, by putting your wall up, the very, by the very means you, you do that to protect yourself from being hurt anymore, you're also hindering yourself from being able to enjoy the love of that relationship anymore. That's why it never feels the same after then. 
And so while we insulate ourselves to avoid pain, we eventually notice that we don't feel the same way about someone like we used to. See, a wall is a wall, right? Once you, once you put up a wall, it locks out everything, and eventually we end up going numb, all right? And what's really difficult, as I've noticed this about in life, is that it takes a whole lot of courage to dismantle the wall that we put up because the wall protects us from the pain, but it also imprisons us without the pleasure of the people that we say we love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So love is a complicated thing. It's a difficult thing. Paul ended up writing a whole chapter about love. Paul, to summarize it, he ends up saying that love endures all things, that love hopes all things, that it talks, and he talks about endur- the endurance of love, right? He says that love doesn't seek it, seeketh out its own. He even went on to say that faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of those is love. Can I explain something to you about that? When he says there's, we, we, there's faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, He's saying that you and I can be strong in faith and full of hope, but we can be all locked up when it comes to love. Let me explain that to you another way. There are some people that we can worship with. Some of us in this room can be a people who have a lot of faith and we have a lot of hope, but we have a hard time loving people. Let me put it another way. I can be someone that ha- I can walk in a lot of faith and I can, I can have hope for all kinds of things, but I can bite your head off and scream at you too because I struggle at loving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you will see people that we'll, we'll worship with and that you and I love in the church who they have faith for just about everything, but then you also know they have a short fuse. Because the one area, see, God said in his word, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, meaning the one that will be the most challenging for you is love. See, some of y'all are chuckling. Isn't that great? Because you know what I'm saying is true. You can't react much because you're sitting next to someone who's like, why is he preaching what I've been trying to say for a while, right? The hardest thing that we will ever do, it's easier to have faith and hope than it is to have a love for people. I can have faith to get myself out of anything, but it is really hard to sometimes love people who are difficult to love. Isn't it hard to just love your family sometimes? Isn't it hard to just love people that get on your nerves? Isn't it hard sometimes to love people who always practically spit in your face and are ungrateful for the things that you do for them? Anybody else got a family like that? Come on. I mean, hallelujah. I know some of y'all might have perfect, you know, uh, partridge families or whatever it might be. I don't know. But I know some of us have real families that I go through things. And sometimes we have even have issues with church people. Hallelujah. And the people can be difficult to love. And he said that it would be challenging to us. So you and I can be anointed. I can be on the platform and be full of faith and be full of hope. And yet I could go to Walmart and lose my temper in about 30 minutes after church because my struggle is love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not always filled with love. I found it difficult to deal with people. Hallelujah. When that lady ran me, it ran me down with her motorized little cart at Walmart. I'm telling you, I wanted to... Everything in me, I I wanted to lift my hand and hit him because I thought, you you dummy, don't you have eyes to see? Don't you have ears to hear? I mean, you're just zipping along full of speed, and there's like 20 of us in this aisle. I wanted to scream and lose my mind. Instead, I just said something smart. Hallelujah, right? 
It's difficult to love people. What I want to get to is God wants you and I to be able to have the kind of love like he does where we can love them even when they run us down with their motorized cart, all right? Where we can even love our spouses and the people we worship with and our neighbors and the people that are difficult in the same way that God does. Hallelujah. Some of us have endured pain when it comes to love. Some of us haven't survived it, but we sort of have a polarized relationship with love. We want it, but we're afraid of it. If you have ever had real trauma of love, real trauma of love, where it still has a memory, where you're a little gun shy, where someone raises their hand and you flinch, that kind of love, or someone broke your heart into so many pieces and shattered it, you know you are never the same, then what I'm saying is true to you today. You, 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 you want a relationship with love, but you are afraid of it. Hallelujah. In other words, you and I can go to coffee and we can have lunch, but if you've been affected by it so much, that's all it will ever be. It's going to be a cup of coffee and lunch, but you'll never really get to be lodged in my heart because been there, done that. I'm never going to let that happen to me again. Hallelujah. On the other side, how many of you know that love will make you do things you said you would never do? Why are some of y'all looking at me strange? Mom's looking at me like... Why are you preaching about this today? Hallelujah. Real love will make you do things you said you'd never do. Husbands, it'll make you buy things and do things and spend money you thought you would never do. Hallelujah. It'll make us compromise things, and we look at ourselves 20, 30 years later, and we think, I am not the same person. How'd she get me wrapped around her finger like that? Right? Good thing Rick left. Did, did you all hear him say amen downstairs? I heard him say that. Yeah, I heard him say amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's safe. See, he even walked close to an exit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Before he said amen. I mean, because <laughs> you all know what I'm saying is the truth. Not only will love make you do things you said you'd never do, it'll make you love will make you take things you said you'd never take. That's why some of us will we'll endure things. We said, when you were young and falling in love, you said, I'll never let a man preach me that way. I'll never. Some of us even said those words, I'm never going to let someone treat me the way they treated my mom or my dad. And then we got married and then it happened. And here, here we are, years later, our marriages and our relationships and our friendships look just like our parents. I'm telling you all the truth right now. I know, I know, because it, it's always generational. Whatever we were exposed to, whatever that kind of love was, we end up bringing that into our, our relationships too. I end up loving you the way I saw my parents love. So as messed up and screwed up as that love was, I bring that to my relationships. Now I know why I am screwed up. Now watch me. That's not to say mom and my dad were screwed up. It's to say that their parents were screwed up and they had a perverted form of love. Are you starting to hear what I'm saying? I can only love you to the level which I was exposed to. And so when you were brought up in a home that loved differently than mine, then we try to merge those and now you ain't speaking my language. Now I can't love you. And then I try to have friendships with people who, who are like way more dysfunctional than I am. I mean, it's heathen on a whole other level. 
and, and they don't even ever say I love you. And, and their, their idea is love is just hanging out together. You know, there, there's no compassion, no compliment of any kind, nothing like that. And so then it's even a bigger mess. How many of you know there are some of us, we, we don't even know what it is to have a friendship that can talk through a problem because anytime someone, you have friends that get mad at you, they just unfriend you. They just block you. They just stop talking to you. I'm so tired of so, so-called quote unquote church people who said that they loved us and who worshiped with us, but now won't have anything to do with me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That ain't God. I'm going to say it again. That ain't God. I know that's not good language for everyone who's, who's going to be a troll and tell me about my improper language. It ain't God. That's not the God we read about in the word. God doesn't distance himself from people who he disagrees with. He doesn't do that. You know, I can have lunch with you even if you don't vote like me. I don't need you to vote in the same party I do. In fact, I'd prefer that you don't. Teach me. Enlighten me. Help me grow in my understanding. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's please have some disagreements in this life. I'm a pretty open-minded man enough that I like to have friends of all types of background. I don't want my friend circle to look like me. Skinny as a rail, white, and approaching my midlife crisis. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Scroll through your friend list on Facebook and then you'll realize you are more sheltered than you think. Your friend list better look a whole lot more like the God that we start reading about. It needs to be diversified. Our churches need to be diversified. We need Chinese and, 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 and black and white and, and women and, and, and men and we need rich and we need poor. Are you hearing me? To help us understand what love is because our perverted idea is love is everyone has to be like me. I can only love love you if you're like me. You know how screwed up that is? Talk about dysfunction, right? Everybody, Jamie, wants us to fit in the box that they've created. Why can't you just love me for my screwed up, messed up way that I am, right? I have a short fuse sometimes. Love me through it, right? Some of the best looking people in the world are nasty, angry people. I just happen to be one of those people who can get really angry, I really can, Mark. It's just a thing, all right? I know what it is to take a stereo and watch that thing bust in many pieces. I can take a, a bowl and throw it across the room and watch it shatter in pieces, and it's not, it still doesn't make me feel good. I know. Now you all better start praying. It's, the preacher's not. It's been a while. It's been a while, Ramona. But I, I know what that is. I know what it is to chase my son around the yard. I'll never forget this. My wife and I went through a nasty, bitter, hard divorce. And then I ended up getting custody of the kids, not her. I thought, God, you're really screwing with me now. In what age does the dad ever get custody over the mother when she's sane? It wasn't like she was a terrible woman, right? I got to watch what I'm saying. And so I get custody and I'm trying to make the best of it. Buying school clothes for three kids, living in like a two bedroom place, you know, making the best of this situation, right? Getting my kids to move schools. I take him out to catch the bus and my son was one of those. He get, got nervous. He hated changing schools and he had a hard time when he was younger just making friends and they were changing schools a lot because we just happened to move a lot. I mean, every year we thought it was fun to just 
get a different house, change school districts, and uproot our kids. And I think that was part of the problem. Because I think we thought moving was going to change things. How many have ever thought that you think something like that's going to help make everything else better? It's a Band-Aid on a broken arm, and it does not work. Because when you move, the problems are still there. And so I got custody of kids. I, I walk them out. I, my, my oldest daughter gets on the bus. She goes on off to her school. I take him out, get him on the bus. And my youngest daughter is inside looking out the window. And I'm standing there, and I could see it. He starts getting, like, nervous, and he's moving his legs. Dakota is going to kill me for telling this story. He's sitting there getting nervous, and I said, son, don't you dare. Because, see, he had already thrown up in the house. Daddy, please don't make me go. Please don't make me go. And I had compassion then. And I got down, and I said, honey, let me tell you, it's all good. You're going to one of the best schools. I said, Laurel Highlands is so much better than Albert Gallatin. Albert Gallatin's a joke. I was, like, making fun. Sorry. And I said, you know, I said, Daddy went to Laurel Highlands. You know, what's the cream of the crop? I said, that's where you want to go. You're going to make friends, blah, blah, blah. I said, you got a great teacher. You know, I had compassion in the house. We go outside, and I could see it. The bus is coming down the thing, and his face turns just completely white. All the blood left his face. The bus pulls up, opens the door, and my son just goes, all over my shoes, all over me. And I said, Dakota! He knew in that moment, run, Forrest, run. He took off running up, left, left the, the, not running towards the bus, left the bus truck. <laughs> Daddy after him. I said, Dakota, get back here right now, son. I said, you better get back. I said, whenever I catch you, I promise you, son, you'll never be able to run again when I get done with you. Come on, don't act like you're so safe. You ain't never lost and told your kid, I, I, I'll end up killing you and just telling them you died because when I get done with you. He ran and ran and ran around the neighbor's property, around the, the street behind me, around the back of the house, came around and went in the inside and locked me out. I'm banging on the door. I said, Mackenzie, you better open this door because I'm telling you, by the time I get in there, you all are in so much trouble. I kept getting in there and I said, what is going on with you? I say all that to say I love him till it makes me crazy, till I had compassion with him. But my compassion quickly flipped to rage. Quickly flipped to rage. Because I'm someone that I can have faith and I can have hope to believe that whatever they're going through, that it'll get better. But I find it challenging to love in difficult times. I find it hard to love people who persecute me. Or talk about me. I find it hard to love people who walk away from me and make and cause me to feel abandoned. I find it hard to love people who have done something to me that is is that it still reminds me. And so anytime other people come into your life, you're like, I'm never let that happen to me again. Are you starting to hear what I'm saying? I'm saying that God has called you and I to be a people of love, but that loving people can be challenging even when it's our own kids. Hallelujah. 
I'm saying all this, it seems odd to talk about love and pain all at the same time, to talk about love and, and rage that we can experience. And the reason that we, we find it almost difficult to think that love would even incorporate any of those things is because of what I said in the beginning, that we romanticized love and created an idea of love that it was never intended to be. The idea of romance that we've, we've uh, defined love as is not the definition that God gives us through his word. Not at all. I realize that if you and I, all of us, if we'll, if we'll just end up living long enough, there will be moments where our love goes on trial. There will be moments our love goes on trial. In other words, there's going to be tough times. Hallelujah. Definitely going to be tough times. Hallelujah. Because there's something, if I get a cut on my arm, I can go to the doctor and get my arm treated. If I get a bad bruise, I can get treatment for that. But I can't do anything whenever I have a broken or bruised heart. Not that kind of broken or bruised heart from, from uh, someone who I love that hurt me. Hallelujah. There's no pain medication to fix a broken heart. I can't take ibuprofen and make my broken heart feel better. Hallelujah. Now, we try to do things to anesthetize pain. Oh, yeah, that's how some of us end up in trouble because we'll go through some kind of trauma and I can try to drink myself silly. But guess what? It doesn't fix my broken heart. Right. I, I can I can take drugs till I'm laying out on the floor, passed out. But when I wake up, I'm still going to have a broken heart because there is nothing I can do in this life that's going to anesthetize the pain. It may it may it may it may numb it and help me just to be able to ignore it a little bit to, or to cope with it. But it's always still going to be there. God, God created you and I in such a way that our physical heart is protected. It's surrounded by our rib cage to, to provide some protection, right? A couple of weeks ago, we saw the, the, the player with the, uh, in the Buffalo Bills team, after he got hit in the chest, fall to the ground and lose life. And yet we, our chest, our, our, our chest bone and our ribs serve as protection because God knew that our physical heart needed protection. But in the same manner, our, 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 our spiritual heart, right, needs to have some protection from those things that, that, that would harm us or cause us to be vulnerable. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? I'm trying to lay this foundation and do it quickly. Hallelujah. See, if I'm to become the heart of God, it means I have to become as strong as I am vulnerable. Think about for a moment how strong our heart is. Our heart is so strong that right now as we sit there and we're sitting through church, our heart is pumping really hard and with a lot of force and power pumping blood all through our body. While it's powerful, it's also very vulnerable as indicated by that football player that after being hit, it could stop your heart. Are you with me? If you and I, so what I'm saying is this, if you and I are, 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 are to become the heart of God in the earth, then we have to become as strong as we are vulnerable. We are often, many of us are often strong. Some of us even have been defined in life as we're a strong man or woman of God, right? And we end up being strong in life and we, then we end up forgetting to be vulnerable. And if you and I are, are strong and we forget to be vulnerable, it ends up making us hard. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you know some hard people in life? They lack compassion or empathy for people who are in need. Mm -hmm. Because we've learned and, and, and adapted ourselves in our life to just be a person that's hard and strong. And, 
never going to let anybody, I'm never going to let nobody hurt me like that ever again. And so we become so hard and strong that now we're no longer vulnerable and be able to be sensitive to the things we need to be sensitive to. God gives you and I a hint about love in the heart through the physical heart of how he protects it, how he says it's powerful, but yet it's still vulnerable when it needs to be protected. Hallelujah. I briefly mentioned about the state of the, the, the physical heart and the emotional heart. And I want to mention to you about the spiritual really quickly. God says in his word, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard your heart. He's talking about guarding your spirit. He says, guard your spirit because you don't have a rib cage to protect your spirit. So he says, you have to stand guard on who you let in and who you let out of your life. He, the, the word of God goes on. I need to summarize it like this. The word of God goes on to say, out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of your heart, that, in other words, that's, out of your heart, that's where your creativity comes from, where your endurance comes from. So, so watch this. When you and I stop feeling, this is why it's not good that you and I just become strong and not vulnerable. It's why you and I have to let the people that we love into our life and find people that we can love and we can be vulnerable with and we can trust them with that vulnerability. I'm the first one to admit there are some people you can't tell everything to, Gloria. I got some friends, I can't tell them what's up for real because they'll use it against me because they'll tell everybody else about it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? But there are a few in this life that you can tell them exactly who you are, what you're dealing with, that you are ready to lose your mind and why, and you can trust them with that. That's what God is wanting to get you and I to. He says, out of your heart flows the issues of life. He said, I don't want you to become a person that stops feeling, because if you stop feeling, then you stop being creative. When you stop feeling, you and I stop dreaming. The reason why we think our life is as all it'll ever be is because you stopped feeling. You, you cut yourself off from relationship. You maintain strength, but you cut yourself off from all feeling and the ability of being vulnerable. You won't let nobody in, so you can't dream no more. So you can't think that there's anything better. If you stop feeling, you also stop believing. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? When you and I stop feeling, we stop believing. When we stop feeling, we stop functioning. Watch this. I'm getting to the good stuff now. When you and I stop feeling, we, we stop functioning. This is what ends up happening. You and I become a machine. Boy, do I know a whole lot. Can I just preach to church people today? I know a whole lot of church people who were just like machines. We're like robots. You turn us on and you turn it off. I, I was using my iPad earlier uh, this morning, and I thought that's exactly what we are as people that when you and I stop feeling we're like an iPad or our phone, you turn it on and you turn it off to do whatever it is you need to do, but it can't feel. This, this iPhone of mine has no feeling or empathy. I can say to it, hey, Siri, and she'll answer me, and, oh, God, yep, there she goes. She'll, she'll answer my question for me, right? I, I can do all those things, but guess what? She has no feeling. I can say, hey, Siri, my heart is breaking I'm tired of being betrayed, bloody, battered, bruised by people. And she can say, she'll say something like, I don't understand. That's true. Try it out on your phone. Your dumb phone will say, I don't understand because it can't feel. But yet that's exactly what you and I become. You and I be, just become functional. 
we'll end up coming to church and just doing what we know to do without empathy and without emotion and with, without any kind of love because we've lost the ability to invest emotion with people. So God says that guard your heart because out of your heart flows the issues of life. God said guard your heart. Out of it flows the issues of life. Notice he said guard your heart, not your head. Guard your heart, not your head. Because I've learned one thing. If you have more in your head than you do your heart, you and I go bankrupt. And a lot of times you and I sit in the house of God and we are bankrupt because we really don't have any empathy, no love, no compassion, none of those things to give to people because we're bankrupt. We just end up being a whole walk, uh, like a walking encyclopedia. We can know a lot of information, but we lack empathy. We lack compassion. We lack love. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Remember the old famous quote, we, we don't know how much you care. We don't care how much you know until we know how much you care. It does, it's not important how much you and I know, how much we can rattle off to people about what they should do with their life. People need to know how much we care about life. How they need to know that. They need to know that about life. Let me summarize love like this. Love has a lot to do with capacity. Let me. Ah, this will be great. I wish I had something to set this on. Okay. That big offering barrel there has capacity. Uh, I like to believe it's prophetic, meaning that it needs to be filled up to overflowing. Amen. That when the Bible says you give, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, that it's going to start running over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It has capacity. You, you know, I better do this so I don't spill it on myself. That this barrel has more capacity than this glass. The problem in some of our relationships and friendships and church relationships and all of those people is that this glass only has the ability to hold what it's built to contain. That barrel is built to hold a whole lot more if it's waterproof. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to just leak out, right? <laughs> I know some wise guy is going to say, but pastor, it'll just leak out. It's not, it's not waterproof. Go with me. It's about capacity. It doesn't matter how much that barrel says to this glass, I need more from you. I need more from you. I can, I can empty this. I won't do it because some of y'all put your offering in there and I'll soak your checks and your cash and Lois will get really perturbed. It doesn't matter how much... If I empty this whole glass in that barrel, guess what? The barrel still needs more. The problem with our loving relationships we have, whether it's friendships, mom and daughter, right? Church people, our spouses, is that we, there's always usually one that says, I need more from you. And the other one that says, I can't give you anything more. I'm doing the best I can. Some of you may be able to relate to that. Some of you might not. But there are some of us that we can relate to I need more from you, Adam, but I'm giving you everything that I have. I'm, give, I, I'm giving you all that I have. See, I might be a, a, a wine glass or water glass uh, capacity kind of person, but someone else might be a, a barrel capacity, meaning they have much more to be able to receive. And so it doesn't matter if I empty all that I am, if all that I am is this water glass and I empty it into my relationship, guess what? It's still not enough for that person. Still not enough. And so the problem, the problem that we have experienced 
problem that we end up experiencing is if I have a pint-sized capacity and, and the other person has a gallon-sized capacity and they keep saying, I need more, I need more, I need more from you, and, and then I keep saying, I'm giving you everything I have, neither one of us are lying. Neither one of us are lying. The answer is, is that we're just unequally yoked. Because I've yoked myself with someone who does not have the capacity to give me what I need. Oh, man, I just dropped a good one on you. I'm not talking about just romantic relationships. I'm talking about your friendships. This is why God says, guard your heart. Be careful who you link up with because you're linking up with friends who can never give you what you need. That's why every time you're going through something, they ain't never there. I, I, I have had it up to here with people who I have been there for over and over and over. And then when I'm going through, they get mad at me because I didn't show up. Did you even think I was going through something? Where was you? Where was my random text message? Hey, I'm praying for you and I'm thinking for you. I don't know, I can't get a hold of you, but I love you. And the reason, the answer to that is, is I've un, I'm unequally yoked with friendships. I might be a gallon size and they may be a pint size and they never will have the ability to give me what I need. That same is true in our church relationships and the relationships of all kind. It's not that neither is lying, it's just neither one is gonna be able to give to the other person what they need. I hope I'm helping you today. See, I can't help how much you need it. If I don't have it, you can't get it. What I just said will help you if you'll receive it. I can't help how much you need. Somebody said to me, but, 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 but it's what I need from you. And ask me for a million dollars. I can't help it. I can't give it to you if I ain't got it. It's the same principle, right? Truly, some of you say, Pastor, I need a million dollars. Well, good luck. So do I. I can't give it to you because I don't have it. The same is true, and yet we're always, we spend so much time and we waste a lot of energy on friendships and people and relationship and trying to love people who cannot love us the way we need to be loved. The whole purpose of this is for you and I to start being able to understand people. It doesn't make them bad. It just makes them a pint-sized person. And in your world, you might need a gallon-sized person. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? It, it should help you to be able to view people differently in a different form, in a different manner. Hallelujah. So let me put it this way. If some of us would ever go out on dates again, or if we ever got to wind back the hand of time, instead of asking what kind of car do you drive, where do you work, and all those stupid, silly questions that in the, in the end don't matter anyway. Here's what you should ask. This is what I tell people. When they come to me for relationship advice before they get married, because before I marry you, you got to go through counseling. If you won't go through counseling, I won't do it. And here's why. Because I tell them, you need to resolve questions like this. Ask the other person, or even ask your friends, who's in your life that's been in your life a long time and is still there and you still love them? Tell me your longest friend and then tell me the worst thing you guys ever went through and you were able to come out of it on the other side. Because I got a whole lot of list of people who walked away. 
but there's very few that probably most of us have that are still there. Family that even did us wrong that'll still talk to us. Or ask them, who did you give up on? Why did you give up on them? Why'd you cut them off? Why am I saying that? Because you and I need to start identifying people who have capacity to give us what we need. To give us what we need in life. Some people will cut us off and not think anything about it. And I've learned one thing about people. It used to wound me when people would leave church. It still wounds. Don't ever let a pastor tell you it don't hurt when people get up and walk. We've seen it. Over 11 years, we've had three big church splits. It ain't no secret because we're not a church that has problems. We don't do the gossiping and chitter chatter. There ain't clubs and teams like you get to in a lot of churches. You don't have this side that hates that side. That just doesn't happen. I'm a kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. If you step out of line, I'm going to call you in the office. I'm going to tell you about yourself. I'm going to tell you the way it should be. And you can like it, lump it, move on or stay. But I'll just let you. I love you anyway, but that can't ever happen again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to keep order. But I'll love you anyway. Some of y'all know, but he loved me through some raunchy stuff. Because that's how God loved me. It's not that it never hurts when people will walk away, whether they're a friend or they're church people or whatever. Of course it does. But I've learned to deal with it by that right there, realizing that some people have to leave and can't communicate because they don't have capacity like I do. They're just a pint-sized person in my gallon world. And it was God separating them, realizing although they may have looked like an answer, God said, Adam, God was trying to say to you and I, they will never quench your thirst because they'll never be enough. So either Adam, you got to accept them for their pint-sized person that they are, or I got to get them to move on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of the people that God has separated you from is because they were pint-sized people. And God said they didn't have enough capacity for who you are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They, they, They don't have enough capacity for who you are. When John writes in this text, see, I didn't even get to the text. That was the introduction. But I gotta, I gotta wrap this up with this. God said in John 3, 16, God so loved. God so loved the world. I want you to think that for a moment. He so loved. See, I was studying this out, and, and, the, and the Bible really could have said God loved the world. But it, 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 it's written and translated over into our English language. He so He's so loved. You know, we try to say things to our sweet nothing like on Valentine's Day. I love you so much. Because we think so much sounds so better. And really, what God is saying right here, he said, God loved the world so much. Peter said uh, later in, in, in the New Testament, he said, I pray that you might know the love of God, which passeth all understanding. We try to describe God's love, but it's, it's really difficult to even put the love of God into, into words because we lack the capacity to really receive the fullness of the love of God. What I'm trying to say to you and I is he loved you so much for God so loved the world. 
He loved you and I with an everlasting love. Get this, get this. He, he loved you and I when we were drunk. See, we have this idea and we get this idea. And, and, and let me tell you something. I believe the real church, even I grew up in the church and I don't think growing up in Sunday school and, and in the United Methodist Church and all that, I don't think they did a good enough job teaching me about the love of God because I, I ended up growing up becoming someone who felt like I could not receive the love of God because what I had done was so shameful. And all I ever heard is if you die and you leave here tonight and you don't accept Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell. And so I always felt more afraid than I did that somebody loved me. And yet the real love, the, uh, the, real, the real way to, to lay out who God is, is that He so loved me that He loved me when I was laying around drunk and puking my guts out. He loved me in that moment, in all my nastiness. I'll never forget the, the night my wife said, if you don't sober up, I'm leaving you. Puked all over my lawnmower, all over the front porch. I was training to be a preacher, doing all the Bible classes, and I was drunk as I could be out of my mind. And I went inside after I projectile vomited. I'm just going to lay it out for you and be real. I told you one day I'd give you my full testimony. So here's a chunk. I went in the house because I thought, oh, I'm better. I went in the house and we had a bedroom and then it went into this big bathroom with a big circle tub, you know, big romantic, you know, tub where we could shower together or whatever. And so I got in there and I thought, felt, no, all over the tub, all over everything. And I'm sitting there sick as a dog. She comes in and you can clean it up too, she said. You stop this now. This is not the man that I met, and this is not the man that I married, and I won't have it. I was like, no, you didn't. She told me about myself right now. I cleaned up my mess. I sobered up, and I'll never forget, never forget it. Still remember this day. She said, I really don't like you very much. The only reason I can stand here and look at you is because I love you. And I'll never forget that day because it was that day the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that is how I love you. That was the first day in my life. I understood and he used my ex-wife to do it. I mean, come on, y'all. She ex for a reason. But he, God spoke through her, and he spoke to me, and it was that day, as a young adult man, I received the love of God, and I realized, even in my nastiness, even with my hypocritical, God-awful self, playing the piano on Sunday, leading the church in worship, and got totally wasted at the Boston Beanery, embarrassed myself in the mall, went home and threw up everywhere. That's a true story. Not exaggerating. And he loved me. He didn't leave me. He did not leave me. So when I say he loved you when you were drunk, yep. Because I know what it is to have people walk away when you don't live up to their expectations, when you aren't enough. See, my wife didn't leave me because I was a drunken idiot. No, 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 no. We had many other issues. But I have had people in my life that left me because I wasn't enough. 
But one thing you can never say about who he is, is he is not God that he will ever leave you because of where you are. Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved. He so loved the world, he said, I, I got to find a way that I can never leave you, Scott. Let me break it down this way. I promise I'm closing, but I have to make this point. Our definition and our way of love is conditional. When I don't behave and act a certain way, you leave me. When you can't be the gallon person and you're a pint person for someone that you love, whether it's a friendship or a relationship or in the church, or if as a preacher, I can't be everything that everybody always wants me to be, they'll leave. And so we end up loving people based on condition. I love you if you vote like me. I love you if you're a Democrat like me or a Republican like me. I love you if you're white. I love you. Oh, come on. All I see on the news is that kind of segregation and it makes me so angry. Listen to the way they make a news report. Why isn't it just that we can be viewed as the way that God sees us, right? Instead, they put us in a little box Right? They, they, when, when, when that lady, the, my neighbor up here got robbed the other day and, and he, she, she they came on the news and it says a black man in his 20s. Why do you have to right away zero in on that and make everybody then start going like this? Or when, or when the, a neighbor on up the street ended up laying crazy, they said a, a young girl in her mid 20 a young white girl in her mid-20s was laying past that unresponsive on Evans Avenue. So what do we end up doing? Looking like this for that skinny old white girl. Strung out on drugs. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When God sees us, he says, for God so loved the world. Just said it was like that. Just like that. God so loves the world. Because he's saying, I loved you when you were drunk. I loved you when you laid around high. He's saying, I, I so loved you that I loved you when you were poor and broke. I so loved you, Adam, when you were wicked. I so loved you when you were fornicating. Adam, I so loved you when you were stealing, that he loved you when you were in a jail cell. That's the kind of God I need you to understand that we're reading. I want you to begin to see John 3, 16 differently. He so loved you and he was able to reach and his love is able to reach you in a jail cell. He, he loved you when you were strung out on cocaine or whatever it was. He even loved you and I when we were out turning tricks or doing whatever it was we were doing. He loved me when I was rich and he loved me on crack. He loved me even through my divorce. Are you hearing me? He loved me in my ugliest of days. He loved me in my angry days. He said in John 3, 16, for God so loved, so loved the world. He didn't say he loved the church. He didn't say he loved the people striving for perfection. He said he loved the wicked world, us and our ugliness. In other words, God loved you. If you can get that, if you can get what I'm telling you right now, you won't need people as much. 
If you can get what I'm telling you right there, you won't be as lonely as you are. If you can get that right there, you won't be as desperate as you are. He didn't say that God so loved the church. He said he he loved the world. And some of us who are people who have built walls to protect ourselves from being hurt, to protect ourselves so that nobody will ever do to me what they have done to me before. Listen to what I'm telling you. If they beat you so bad, you say, I'll never love somebody to where I let them in and them hurt me like that again. Or someone ripped your heart out and fed it back to you and you put up walls all around you. You don't let anybody in. Let me tell you something right now. This is how I want to describe John 3, 16 to you. And even though I didn't get through even near half of it, I'm going to stop with this thought. When it says, for God so loved the world, he's saying, you can't build a wall high enough, April, that my love won't scale to get you. You can't build a wall high enough. Let me put it this way. You can erect your wall and it's God saying, I'll get a ladder, I'll climb and I'll come down and I'll get you. Because I loved you so much. I need you to understand that. God wants you to receive his love today in a different kind of way. There's nothing you have to do to get it. The Bible says in Jeremiah, before he formed you in his mother's womb, he knew you. When he says knew you, it means to love you. God is the only one. You don't have to do anything to him or for him to get him to love you. He'll just love you. You don't have to buy God roses. Tell him you love him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't have to take God out to dinner to get his love. He says, I so loved you that I gave my only son. I'm going to give an altar call in a moment. I wasn't even planning to do that today. But it's because I didn't even get through this. Some of you have said words like this. When is someone ever going to treat me the way I deserve to be treated? Or you've said things like, when is it going to be my turn that I get to have a relationship and a marriage like Glory and Mark back there? Come on, some of us sit back and we look at relationships and we're like, man, I just want like that. I want someone to love me and be head over heels. Like I'm the next best thing since squeeze butter. You know? I want them to see the goodness and the greatness that I am and not everything that I'm not. And so we end up making comments like, I'm not going to settle for anything less than what I deserve. But let me just check you with that statement right there. If God had settled for less, you would go to hell. Are you, are you starting to hear what I'm saying? In other words, you're saying, I'm not going to settle for less, but God should settle for what little we give him. Are you starting to hear what I'm saying? God so loved you that he gave his son for you that you could have life and that you could go free. When Adam and Eve sinned, God had said, if you eat of the tree, I'll kill you. You will surely die. 
I know we preach it all kind of ways. It says you will surely die. God was in a predicament then. Once they sinned and fell. And Satan tricked God this way. Because remember, Satan was Lucifer who was cast out of heaven. I got to teach your Bible laid out. And when he was thrown out of heaven, Lucifer knew and understood the love of God. So he said, I know how to get God. If I can take what God loves and put inside of what God loves, which is man, and put what God hates, which is sin, inside of man, I can get God to hate what he loves all at the same time. So he got man to sin. God said, if you partake of the tree, you will surely die. So now God is conflicted because what God loves, which is man, is now caught up in something that God hates, which is sin. God says, well, how am I going to do this? Because I said that if you partake of the tree, you will die. But I love you, so I don't want to kill you. But I need to kill what's in you, which is sin. So God thought, how am I going to do this? So God says, you thought you got me, devil, but God goes and finds an innocent lamb in the Old Testament. He slays an innocent lamb and sheds the blood of the lamb. It goes back to Satan and says, the sacrifice of the lamb covers the sins of Adam. Adam gets to go free with the lamb. I've taken the life of the lamb in place of Adam so that the blood of the lamb can cover the sins of Adam. That was Old Testament redemption. Then we come to New Testament when God gives up his only son, Jesus. And Hebrews describes it that the death of Jesus was one for all. Meaning, they had to give multiple sacrifices over and over again. Lambs dying all the time, all the place to cover man's sin. And then Jesus comes along and he says, no, no. I'm going to die once for all. He loved you and I enough. He said, I'm going to die one time for everybody he died once and he died for the murderer and the racist he died for the thief and the adulterer he died for my drunkenness and my wickedness once and for all that is the kind of love that he has for you and I he so loved the world I didn't even get into that he didn't come to condemn the world we'll do that next week well God wants you and I to be set free from flaws from things that are just innately within us that we keep beating ourselves up against the reason we have a hard time walking in love is because we don't preach about love and you cannot become something that people never plant a seed about I can't become a better person at loving you if I don't study about love. You can't become a better person at loving people in your life and your family and your church if God doesn't bring forth the word on love. That's why this word is important. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. He loves you so much. God loved you. You're a part of the world. I want you, when people start pushing your buttons this week and they tick you off, and they make you get in a rage, I want you to think back, God so loved them in their foolishness. Sister, God put it to me this way. 
when he says God loved the world, when God so loved the world, he showed me that God fell in love with a fool. The world was a fool, and the world was a fool because God fell in love with a world that doesn't pray to him, worship him, call upon him. Let me throw it out to a way some of us would understand. God fell in love with someone who doesn't come home at night. God so loved the world. God so loved the slut. God so loved the woman who was strung out on our steps this week. That's the God that we serve, and he loves us all the same. Don't matter that I sat up here and played the piano. He didn't love me more than he did her strung out on the front steps of the Dream Center. He said, no, I loved you like I loved her, and I died for you both all the same. And so if you and I are ever going to love like God, you and I have to start realizing I didn't do anything to deserve his love. I just got it. At my worst and most wicked place, he loved me. He loved me. Stand to your feet. I want you and I to close like this. I'll give you part two next week. I want you and I where we are, right where we are. I'm not going to have anybody come forward. I want you and I right where we are. Close your eyes where you are, standing there in this place or sitting where you are. Those of you that are watching online, close your eyes. I don't want you just to receive the love of God. And the reason I say that is the Bible says that we will be known that we are His by the way we love people. The Bible says that, that He uses the Holy Spirit to fill us and cause us to walk in love. See, we think people are on fire and, and filled with the Holy Spirit just because they speak in tongues. No. We are filled with the Spirit when we walk in love. Aha. Uh -huh. The real testament of being filled with the Spirit is that I'm able to walk in love and love those who did me wrong. So I want everyone in this place just to receive the love of God and realizing that He loved you at your worst and you didn't have to do anything to deserve it. I didn't deserve it. He loved you before He knew you and formed you in your womb. And I want to pray over you today that every wall that you have erected, that, 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 that the Spirit of God is scaling that wall right now. Every wall that you put up to kind of protect yourself, that He's scaling the wall to get to you, to tear the wall down. He'll, he'll grab a ladder and climb up over to get to you. That's the God that we serve today. That's how much He loves you, that He wants to get to you, that He wants to reach you. That he wants to help you. That he wants you to understand his love. I hear your tears. I see some of your tears in this place. And the Bible says that God not just sees your tears, but it says he saves every tear. Because he remembers what it represents. So as I pray for you today, I want you just to receive his love. 
and receive the understanding that when you were at your ugliest and your worst, he loved you like nobody else. That even if you had never changed, he still would have loved you. That's reason enough right there to live all your days for the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we sense your presence and your glory. And Lord, we sense your love. Father, I watched your hand reach down and touch literally people as I was speaking, softening their heart and making a melt like butter in your presence. I've watched you, God, start scaling the walls that some of us have erected. And Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that, Lord, you would scale the wall of every person in this place that has built a wall to protect themselves from being hurt by family and loved ones and people that they love and church people and just the world in general. And that, God, we would begin to have an understanding that for God so loved the world that there's not a wall I can build high enough that you won't scale it, that there's nothing I can do. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would give us such a revelation of love that we would realize that I'm just a gallon-sized person in a pint-sized world. Father, I pray that you would minister and reach people right in the very place that they are and that, God, you'll use today just to begin to plant seeds about your love and about the vastness of your love and that, Lord, we would receive it in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray now that the very love of God would begin to be poured out upon your people, that, Lord, you would be poured out and, and minister and touch and heal and move and make whole in our lives in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, we would forever be, never be the same. That, Lord, our eyes would begin to be open to the vastness and the depth of your love. Lord, our eyes would begin to be open, God, about how we can love people differently. That God will start looking at people that, that irritate us and we're just going to love them. We're going to love them because you love me in my worst place. I can love people in theirs. So, Father, help us. And I thank you that, God, you're going to help us as we grow in this word. And in in next week and maybe the week after that, God, you're going to help us to become a people that we're going to be known by how we love. Our spouses are going to start knowing us by how we love. Our community will know us by how we love. And I pray that right now in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, before we leave this place, and God, as we give our tithes and our offerings on the way out, before we just walk out of here, God, I pray that the very love of God that we experience today will go with us, that we'll spread it, that it would be vast. And God, I pray that you would multiply and bring seeds as people give their seed and their offering, that God, you would bless it back to them a hundredfold in the name of Jesus. Bring multiplication into the life. That Lord, what is given today would do, be able to do far more than we ever anticipated in your powerful name. God, we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor in Jesus, your mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Take the love of God with you. We'll see you this week.